and just like that Ugh. we're live we're back we missed uh we missed last week but uh we're making up for it because we've got we've got uh what our social media commenters are referring to as right guy as of late <laughs> colin johns <laughs> uh, thanks thomas what's happening colin not too much all right, where, where like, are you? I, pers I personally call him, sorry, Tom, to cut you off. I personally call him the Highlander because there can only be one, like, true right-sider, and he's the only one. <laughs> and the only just, way you beat him is get to cut off his head like the TV show. You just have to, you have to take him out. It's the only way. <laughs> well, well, I'm just glad I'm on with somebody who plays volleyball who's familiar with the concept of setter and hitter. Yeah, right? And right side, left side, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know volleyball well enough to understand the whole right side, left side, but I do know the idea of setter hitter. Yeah, you're the guy that's just, you know, you're behind the scenes, just calmly running the show. Dude, it's actually, I was thinking about that earlier. I'm going right into it here. Sorry, Thomas. I was, you're good. <laughs> I just trained this morning and I was like, dude, I got to get good at the right side because although I'm long and the left side's probably better, there's so many good left siders. I'm like, dude, I got to get dialed in on the right because I've played both. <laughs> on the beach, right? And the angles are different, the way you set up the ball on your shoulder, how long I can hang and chop, it's all different. And so I was like, dude, I gotta get good. And I'm, I was like, dude, I gotta be like Colin. Cause there's like, there, he's the only one that really has just mastered the right side. Everyone else is fickle. Just keeps like jumping back and forth with whatever <laughs> partnership. Dude, it's so fun to watch you just dominate that right side. It's, I'm obsessed with it now. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm glad that you could relate to it and, and bring some expertise from another sport. And uh, definitely, I found my niche in the pickleball court, and now I have to actually learn the left side for mixed, which I think will make the right side better, but I have no plans on switching anytime soon to the left side uh, in men's doubles. Good. There's no need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're, I mean, you're like a true specialist, and I actually want to, I want to come back to that, because I think generally, it probably opens up options for you that uh, because you've perfected it, like people don't realize, but we'll come back to that. Cause I, I actually want to, I want to start with just like your background. Cause I think most people know this, but you were a pro tennis player. You were on the ATP tour. That's where you met Deckel bar, but I'd love to just hear kind of like, okay, what was your, uh, what was sort of your, your, your path in tennis? And then kind of the general transition to, to pickleball, the generic stuff. We need to, we need to figure out where he came from. Yeah, so most people associate Deckel with Ben because they had the pickleball getaways business together. But I knew Deckel many years before Ben ever met him. And it was our family that got Deckel into pickleball. So it's kind of funny. Um, so starting at the beginning, um, I grew up playing some other sports. I mean, just like Ben, um, we were baseball, table tennis, and eventually tennis. I started playing tennis when I was 13. Um, and I was just obsessed with it. I wanted to do nothing but play tennis. And I ended up just devoting myself to that all through high school and training at the uh, the regional training center, College Park, um, for a couple of years. And then I moved to Florida to train more. And at that point, I was looking at some colleges. Uh, but because I started tennis so late, I really wasn't getting very many offers. I took, I took an official visit, visit to NC State. Um, I went to uh, West Point to see that school. Um, so I was looking at colleges at that point. I had no plans to play professionally. I wasn't anywhere close to that. Um, but the year that I graduated high school, they changed the rule where you could only take off six months um, in between versus it used to be a year. Um, so that combined with the fact that the University of Maryland lost their men's tennis team the year that I graduated was kind of the perfect storm to make me not go to college because I probably <laughs> could have walked on at Maryland. 
Um, cause I knew the coach because that's where I practiced and I would play practice right. sets with the guys. I knew all of them. It would have made sense, but that was impossible because they got their tennis team cut. Um, and then that combined with cutting the time down to six months, I basically had to sit on the sidelines, even though I was young for my grade, I graduated early and I was able to play for six months. And the next six months I basically just practiced and kind of looked at different schools I could play at. Wasn't really getting any offers. Um, and then I was playing some practice sets with a friend of mine locally who was having a little bit of success professionally. Um, and I was just like, I kind of wonder how I would do if I, if I played some pro tournaments. So I got ready for it. Um, starting in January of the next year, I said, I'm going to try some futures, which are the lowest level tennis pro tournaments. Uh, that's what I did. And I got smoked in the first one and the next one and the next one. Um, but I felt like I was close and I wanted right. to keep doing it. Um, and I also figured that if I played for a little while, then maybe I get some better college offers and, um, one thing would lead to another. Um, but then I actually got my first professional ranking point that summer. And then after that, shortly after I got my second one. Um, and then it was always like, I could see light at the end of the tunnel. I was like, all right, I just beat this player. I just got this far in this tournament. I'm, I'm going to break through the next one. And I eventually got up to 900 in the world and had some, some very good wins. And five years later, I was still playing. And at that point, when you're at 900, you're not really making enough money to support yourself. So I decided to, uh, retire at that point and go and work for my old coach in Naples, Florida. And that's when Ben's like, you should really revisit this pickleball thing. Cause up to then I had refused to play. Like I would hit with him <laughs> to help him like train for us open. But like, I would tell him every time that's a stupid sport It's for old people. I will never play. I'm playing a right. real sport. And right. I was, I devoted my life to tennis. So it was not like I was going to switch at the drop of a hat for this silly game that didn't really have a following at that time. It's not anything like it was now. So I, I eventually, I gave in, I said, I'll give it another chance. And I was in Naples. So I had Simone and Kyle there among other people. And I would train, um, after I would play, um, I mean, I would work at the tennis Academy and then I would go ahead and practice. And I wasn't really playing many tournaments at that point. Um, I played like one or two local ones. Um, and then I actually got the assistant coaching job at Florida Gulf Coast University. I knew the the coach from before when I used to train there. So I dropped the academy job because at that point I was working at a country club called Mediterra in Naples. So I had the Mediterra job and then I had the FGCU job. And in between, I would just train. And I kind of had my sights set on U.S. Open. And I was training a lot with Simone at that time. Um, she was with Prince and she set up a conversation actually before U.S. Open to put us in contact. She says... This is called, this is Ben's brother. He has a lot of potential. He has right. a pro tennis background. I think you should sign him. So she put in a really good word for me. Uh, I spoke to Curtis and uh, we actually verbally committed before I even played. Um, but it did help that I made the semifinals of singles that year um, and lost to Tyson to semis. But um, after that, I was able to sign with Prince. And that's what led me into the pickleball scene because I was able to travel to some extent. And a uh, little brother, he's like, well, you're not good enough to play with me quite yet, but I'll play a few tournaments with you. <laughs> But of course, he was he was working with me. Uh, so I think we played four tournaments that year together. Later that year, and I had moved back to Maryland for a job at Baltimore Country Club because uh, Ben knew the director there. Um, it was supposed to be seasonal, and then eventually turned into full time. Um, I had to decide whether I wanted to go back to Florida, and I was like, "Well, Ben lives in Maryland. My family still lives there. Even though I hate the cold, I'm going to move back and Same. see if I can leverage the training." Um, so Ben was very thrilled about that. Uh, we ended up winning three of the four tournaments together. Um, the next year we played about half, or I guess it might've been the COVID year. I can't really remember now, but he 
phased me in slowly. We'll put it that way, where uh, I was good enough to play a few tournaments, then half, and now this year it's everything. Um, so that's kind of uh, the whole tennis to pickleball journey, um, I guess, in a longer sort of explanation. No, no, that that's all. That's all good. I totally forgot you were with Prince, but that I mean that was like less than a year ago you were playing with the prince battle right yeah i played us open just one year ago at the prince that was my last tournament and uh, yeah I, lo- I love playing with that paddle it's a great company and definitely they were talking to me about re-signing and i decided in the end that the electrum was the best thing um but yeah i can't say enough good things about um the paddle tech prince guys because they're an extension of paddle tech yeah i gotta say you had a pretty pretty good advantage in that uh, Ben's your brother, and you were training under Simone every day. I mean, that's probably <laughs> yeah, that's, as good as it gets. Yeah, I mean, intro, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when people ask me how I got good, I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, right. Let me tell you all the natural advantages that I had built yeah. in. Like, if I didn't get good, I mean, man, that would be tough. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> the pro tennis Simone and Ben, like the, the the two greatest players of all time, um, and of course Simone was an integral part of me learning how to play and she used to beat the snot out of me in singles when I first started. So um, I won't lie to you and say that I always beat her because she used to beat up on me. Dude, singles is very, is very frustrating because it seems like, especially if you come from tennis, you think I'm going to go in and, and Oh yeah. 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 You're very cocky about it. And well, she kind of lowered the boom on me and Deckel because Deckel, he entered very soon after when I did and we played our first few tournaments together because naturally both uh, talented tennis players, but we didn't really know how to play. So it made sense for us to play together. Uh, but I remember one instance when we were in Atlanta at one of our first tournaments, I think it might've been our first tournament and Simone beat him 11-0 in singles. And then she almost beat me 11-0 in singles. It was like, wow, we are no longer on the tennis court. Deckel looked like a sad puppy. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on right now? I thought I was getting better. Wait, wait, so why am do- I? What do I do? The, what do I even do now? Right? You just question your whole identity. What, am yeah. I even in a, what, what do I go from here? Yeah, I feel like it was a little bit easier for me than for Deckel because starting tennis so late and being really good at baseball up to that point, I kind of had to suck up really being bad for a while. Uh, and I was losing to like kids and girls, and it was just really frustrating. So I had gone through that once before, but for Deckel, it was like I've always been good at the sports that I play. This is really this is horrible. The struggle, yeah. <laughs> so how how did you meet Deckel though? So were you just like playing against him in tournaments? Were you training in the same area for tennis, or like that how is that a, how'd that come about? That is actually a funny story. Um, I might just give you the short version, but. We had the same housing in Vancouver, Canada. We were playing the Futures up there, and it sort of happened by accident. Um, the people that we were staying with didn't even tell me or Deckel that the other one was going to be there. And to spare you all the, the gory details, the housing was definitely on the weird side. Um, they were like Nazis about recycling, and they had somebody living in their basement. And we had a bonding experience, uh, me and Deckel there, to, uh, to survive that weekend. And uh, we just liked hanging out, and we ended up traveling the next tournament together, practice together, uh, and then shortly thereafter, I invited him to, to come to my house and train a little bit. Um, and then we just hit it off, and he's been one of my really, really good friends um, throughout the whole tennis journey and also through pickleball. Just band of brothers in a basement, mm-hmm. just dude, we have each other. We, <laughs> we got a <laughs> Yep. You got to ask Deckel about that story at some point because uh, he might give you the whole version, and uh, it is – it's we almost met our demise in that basement. 
Well, so why, um, why don't you play singles? I feel like you're probably a nasty singles player. Well, I used to play singles when I first started. It's easier for tennis players to adapt to singles. So, of course, right. I did play that, and it just felt like a small court relative to a tennis court, and I was still in great shape. Um, and I enjoyed it more back then because I my tennis playing days were over, but not long over. And I was definitely good. I, I gave Tyson a match on multiple occasions. Um, I've never beaten Tyson, but... I have give, given him some some very good matches, um, and same with Ben. Um, I've had a couple match points on Ben one time, lost 11-8 in the third another time, and then <laughs> lost at Nationals in three. So I could definitely handle myself on the singles court, and for a while I guess I would have been top five-ish singles player. Um, but at some point you want to kind of save the body, and I realized I enjoyed doubles a lot more. And I've had some back injuries um, so from tennis and last year kind of flared up at a couple of tournaments. And it was just a reminder of why should I sacrifice my body, especially because now it's on the first day. Um, do I really want to be sore and risk injuring myself for the events that really matter to me? Um, so that right. would be the reason I've really cut out the singles. Um, so I've agreed to have one tournament a year where it's a guest appearance and I will go and take out as many people as, as possible. Just like uh, last year, I played PPA championships and I said, no back draw. And I'm just going to try to take out as many people in the front draw as possible. <laughs> who'd, you, who'd you get? Um, I took out Kyle McKenzie first round, AJ Kohler second round, and then I won the first game on JW. Um, and then I ran out of gas and he came back and beat me. Yeah. But secretly, you don't play singles because Ben's this is his master plan. He's like, look, I need Colin as fresh as possible to just be like the guy that's just waiting and like frothing at the mouth to just destroy everyone because he's healthy, he's ready to go, he's not worn <laughs> out from singles. It's a smart play by Ben. Listen, uh, Colin, I'll yeah. give you half of my singles money if you don't play singles. Just oh, stay yeah. fresh for double. <laughs> yep, and uh, I definitely still keep Ben sharp for singles. I'll, I'll definitely play some practice games with him. Um, so it's not like I don't play singles. It's it's just I don't play in tournaments. Got it. So you're just a really good brother. We'll give you that. Yeah, I'm his right. I'm his training partner. Yeah. You guys fight growing up because I have two boys that are 23 months apart, and they're almost. I mean, it's come to fist fights sometimes on the trampoline, uh, if we're playing volleyball or basketball because they all want to be like, "Who's better, Dad? Who's better, Dad? Who's better?" And I'm like, "You both suck, and I destroy both of you." <laughs> keep them humbled but i'm guessing like even ping pong table yesterday i took them to play uh, at our office i put my table over there and they're just like fighting immediately did you guys have that and kind of grow through it and then now it like kind of bonds you to be even a better doubles team because we know you guys are is that kind of the process that it went through or am my kids just am i just screwed with my boys fighting all the time <laughs> well the dynamic was a little bit different with me and ben because i'm six years older than ben oh okay. so some people do forget that and six years is a chasm when you're younger. Like, yeah. he lost at everything under the sun. Like, <laughs> I don't remember him winning at a game until he was like a teenager, like anything. And yeah. I was not the older brother that would let my little brother win. And so the problem we usually had that my parents had to talk to me about is you have to let him win or at least not crush him so badly to where he comes in crying every day. Yeah, um, and there's actually, motivated. yeah, keep him motivated. And he always used to hang out with me and my friends who were six years older than him. So he definitely had to be tougher and he had to play up. And there was one great story. And I think they did a feature on an MLP um, where there was a home run derby in our backyard on my 11th birthday. 
and he yeah. beat all of my friends who were like really good baseball players in the area. Um, we were using these little tiny um, golf golf ball sized wiffle balls and with a little thin wiffle ball bat. And he hit six home runs over our little homemade fence in the backyard, <laughs> beat out all of my friends. And then I had to, to show him up and come out last and win on my birthday. So oh. he, uh, he always had to hang in there with like older kids with me. He would come in crying from the backyard all the time. Um, I beat up on him in ping pong. One of his favorite lines when he was really little is you're taking advantage of my shortness um, because I would drop shot him and table tennis when he was like, four, five, six years old, uh, he couldn't reach it. And he just would cry and he'd have to be sent upstairs. And, uh, but I think that it's worked out well in the end. He's uh, definitely gotten tougher from that. And I think it's fair that I've never beaten him on the pickleball court in a real match uh, because I beat him in so many things growing up. Yeah, credit to you then. And want everyone make sure you know that, that Colin's the reason why Ben's so good. Yeah. <laughs> six years and a lot of years. Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. What do you what do you think? So speaking of like tennis players coming into pickleball and and um, and just kind of make well the transition being pretty easy, assuming they played at a a high level and kind of the wave that we're seeing, particularly I would say like in in men's singles. Like what what's your take on that? And do you think that these guys who are and the wave is coming, it's starting. I think we're right at the beginning. Do you think they're just gonna like take over singles pickleball? And then do you think it's just a matter of time? until they hone their craft and kind of move into the, into the doubles as well, or, or just kind of what's your perspective on all that? Yes and no. I think that you're definitely starting to see a lot more tennis players gravitate towards pickleball. They're seeing the prize money's increased. Um, it's getting more and more popular. It's more accessible. Um, so you'll definitely see more tennis types coming in and singles. Mm -hmm. Like I said, is the easiest way to adapt to pickleball. It looks sort of like miniature tennis. Um, but at the same time, as long as nothing major changes where let's just say the paddle technology gets much, much better to where it's almost like tennis. I think that they're really going to have to have an adjustment period. And if you look at any of the top players right now, you don't really quite realize how long they've been playing. So someone like AJ Kohler in doubles, for example, is considered to be a newer player and he's been playing three plus years. So he, right. he knows his way around a pickleball court. It's not like he's unseasoned and yeah. certainly not saying that in a good or bad way. I'm just, bringing to attention a lot, a lot of people view new players, quote unquote, as people that have been playing multiple years. So I think that trend is going to continue. Not that the, the new tennis players are not on their way and they'll certainly be great candidates longer term, but pickleball takes a lot longer to learn than I initially thought. And what Declan initially thought, I mean, we took our lickings early on and I had to learn a lot of different things and get a lot of tournament experience. And probably the single biggest thing in my mind is gaining experience against the top players because misdirection plays such a big part. And if you've never played specific players, I mean, good luck playing Jeff Warnick for the first time because you're like, he's holding it like a windshield wiper and I'm just eating it every single time I attack his body. <laughs> and if you don't have someone to guide you through or have the experience to lose to him a few times, it's, it's very, very difficult. Um, that being said, I mean, there's some great athletes out there on the tennis court that I feel like would be so, so good as soon as they started. And it's just a matter of time before those players come over and make singles much deeper. And then from there, they're going to transition to doubles. I just don't see anyone at this point with the depth we currently have taking over relatively quickly, uh, unless we're talking about like uh, Federer and Nadal Djokovic, who are not going to waste their time at this point. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those guys, give me like uh, 
Federer and Nadal for like two weeks, I'm like, the guy would beat anybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's just me growing up, like worshiping them as the tennis gods that they are. <laughs> like they'd be good at anything. It's crazy because right. there's such a comparison with uh, indoor volleyball too. It's like the indoor guys go sign contracts for over a million dollars a season. It's all guaranteed. They've got the incentives. And then you got the beach volleyball guys who are like in the limelight in the U.S. We got all the TV time. We get the sponsors and it's like fun, but you make less money and it's not guaranteed. You got to earn it. And these guys are like, oh, bro, I touched like 13 feet. I could come over and dominate a beach. And you're like, cool, bro. Why don't you come over and I'll beat you without jumping because you've never played in the wind. You've never not had shoes on and on this weird new surface. You know what I mean? And the strategy around playing doubles versus like six on six or like this big physical indoor game. It's so much different. And the misdirection is still the number one thing for us as well. It's like, dude, I will manipulate your like shirt off by with my wrist and how I carve the ball in beach volleyball compared to indoor guys that are like gold medalists come out and they just fail because they're like, you know, that's how I feel on the pickleball court, like a, a baby giraffe. I'm just like, Whoa, you know, you're, just, <laughs> you're working them without even really trying because it's such a, even though it's the same name or game and there's the same, a lot of technique it's so much different as well. And the misdirection and utilizing the elements, it's so much more of a, a strategy than these big guys think that, you know, in tennis, it probably, it, the wind still affects the ball, but not as much, you know, and then the court size and all those things. It's really cool to see the, the similarities and how that, that evolution happens where guys are like, yeah, I can go play pickleball and then you just get smashed. And the same thing, guys will play for like six years and then they finally get like a top 10. They're like, Oh my gosh, the rookie, the new guy on tour. It's like, this guy's been playing as long as me. <laughs> finally figured out how to get top 10. What are you talking about? Right. Rookie? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, fu it's funny to hear the comparison in a sport like that. I have no idea. I don't know beach volleyball nearly well enough to know that there's misdirection to that extent. So it's really interesting to hear that. And of course, I'm sure it's like any developed sport where you need some experience before you can even finish close to the top, let alone at the very top. Yeah, the team dynamic is almost identical, right? The gaps, the, the different speeds in between an absolute smash of a forehand and then a dink, right? All those little uh, speeds in between are so valuable, right? And then the leans where you see guy in the periphery if they're leaning and you can like expose it. It's all the same with, with what we do. And so it's just a matter of throwing a paddle in the hand, which is, which is the hard part. Because I'm just using it. Like, can I just put like a, can I make like the, the first paddle hand? And have it just in my hand, and I could just. <laughs> uh, well, Preston, Preston always complains that he gets in the path of the ball because he's like, I see a ball incoming at me, and I just, my first instinct is to put my chest in front of it. Same. I'll just <laughs> yeah. take it right off the shoulder. I'm like, you're easy. And I'm like, oh, I just got body bagged again. Dang it. I got this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to fight that instinct. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's, it's more like sword fighting. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So that being said, what's the number one thing as, you know, an upcoming right sider, when you do your, your slide and like counter when guys speed up is like, I mean, someone needs to do like a loop of everyone you've ever done to like a hip hop song. It, it, dude, it's so <laughs> sick. I want like a, a top 10 slide backhand. When you, when you do that, did you just like figure out that getting your body out of the way was like the number one thing? Or did you go through a while of just standing there and like, kind of getting midline and taking it like when did you figure out that that was such a like epic move did ben kind of have that in mind or did you just kind of figure out that out through repping i'm curious 
Colin, Colin, before you answer, so for anybody listening, I want to clarify what we're what we're even talking about. Because I actually don't know, but my but I think what you're referring to is like in a speed up, Colin will just take like a massive sidestep so that yeah, he can take right. like a, a fuller swing and kind of tee himself up for the next shot. Is that it's kind like of what we're we're yeah, talking he, about here? And so he's smashing someone's speed up. Like he sees it ahead of time, steps right, gets his midline out of the way and just backhand ooshes it down the middle. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's what you're talking about where someone's speeding up, usually from a cross-court ball. So Ben's thinking cross-court, that's the most common yeah. speed up. And it should be said that everything about my doubles pickleball game in men's was designed to complement Ben from the very start. Because Smart. when mm. I first started, um, Ben's like, obviously you're a really good tennis player, you're a great table tennis player, you have me, we're gonna play together eventually. I need you to develop everything to compliment me. And I was like, done. Like, I'll do that. Whatever you need, you tell me. Um, yeah. So that includes forehand dinking. Um, one of the most important shots that Ben put his finger on is the slide backhand. So fading um, because he's going to be playing the left and he's going to be covering metal with the forehand. Pickleball, as Ben likes to say, was not is not designed to be played 50-50. You should not be covering 50% of the court. It depends on where the ball is. And in my mind, yeah. the perfect team is a lefty-righty to where that could apply to both sides. But since we're both right-handed, Ben's going to take more of the court. It's just the reality of it. Um, it doesn't even necessarily come back, come down to that he's the better player. He is. But it's more of that's the way you need to cover a pickleball court. Because especially when somebody's speeding up, you don't want to have to guess for him back in. Because that little split second throws your timing off enough, makes you late enough yeah. to where their follow-up is going to be much better. So from the very start, Ben's like, I want you to work on this shot where you slide to the right, you sit on your backhand, you know it's going to be a backhand, and just leave anything to your right. Because if you're far enough over, anything to the right side of your body is going to go wide. Um, so yeah. there's really nowhere to go. And he developed that with his other partners as well. So like Anna Lee, he's been teaching her how to do that. It's just nice that she has like the nastiest two-hander on the planet. Yeah, right. So. Seriously. It's actually something I also learned from Simone and not that she taught it to me. It's that when I was playing skinny singles with her and I would try to speed up at her, she would do the same slide with the two hander. And I was like, that looks like a good shot. I'm going to try that. <laughs> and I kind of combined that with the one hander that Ben taught me. And of course, playing with Ben, you get a lot of, a lot of opportunities to hit it. And it's really just about shifting your body out of the way so that it's not a target. And the target zone is on a side that you know it's going to be on, uh, namely the backhand, because the backhand just covers so much area. And it really just presents no open court to the opponent. If Ben keeps the dink low enough and they're trying to force a speed up, I've got my corner covered with all backhand. So good luck trying to get it through. And if you go middle, Ben's sitting there in the forehand. And the whole idea of that is designed to be, it's designed to wind up to Ben's forehand, whether it's yeah. the first ball or the second ball. So. In an ideal world, I hit a clean winner on it if they speed up at me. But a lot of times, the guys with good hands will get the next one back. But then the reply will go directly into the jaws of Ben's forehand, which yeah. is where we want the ball to go. And then it's good night, and that's exactly where we want to live. And if you want to try to roll the dice and go through the middle to Ben's forehand, good luck with that as well. So I feel like our system, our slide system, is one of the hardest to beat. And it's not that I'm the world's best counterpuncher, but if you give me a backhand and I tee it up, and we have Ben sitting there in the middle. It's it's a tough proposition. It's uh, definitely one of the harder systems to beat in the game, I feel like. And 
I'm glad that we started out by uh, practicing that. It's basically like uh, a Michael Jackson moonwalk with a sick backhand finish. I mean, that's what it looks <laughs> like to me. Yeah, you just you just flow out of the way and counter, dude. It's so sick. I love that guy. You talked about the ownership of Ben taking the middle too, because it's the same in in our game. It's like if a guy's jumped over me and I got the tailwind, like there's a crosswind in my corner. We call it like the hot corner, right? So I'm in the trenches here. And I just have to own that middle no matter what scenario happens if the ball's coming from that area. And that leaves so much more uh, ability for us as a team to process what kind of ball they're going to give us because we already know who has what ownership versus like the constant guess. Or when you play with people that don't understand the angle and the trajectories, they're like, well, that's my middle. And it's like, well, dude, if you just let me own this at all times, we would both be more confident and make a better decision long-term and get ourselves out of these rallies or speed up rallies that happen because we have a job to do. We have ownership in each scenario. Cause if it crosses over, you know, it changes the angle that all adjusts. But I love that you say that. Cause I do that same thing. I go, Hey, my middle, no matter what, even if the ball is like almost hitting his high left shoulder, I'm still owning that middle because we can count on that. And then I can, we can make a better play as a team. It's cool to, to have people understand that a little bit better, even just through pickleball. Like, no, it's not like a 50-50 game. We got to adjust and move, and there should be ownership with that left-sider being a right-hander for sure. Like, it's like a 70-30. Oh, yeah, that, that's so interesting, the parallels that apply on that as well. And I'll tell you something that also helped me on that with that mindset is playing and teaching platform tennis at Baltimore Country Club where I worked. Um, so I taught and played that for three years and it's exactly the same size as a pickleball court and there's chicken wire around the court, which you can play it off the walls, making it sort of like squash. But the parallel that I really found was the simplicity of the shot selection and whose ball is whose anything yeah. over your partner's left shoulder is your ball. There's no deviation from that. Um, unless you're a lefty righty and even so it depends on the position of the players you yeah. can't deviate because even though it might not look like you're putting your team out of position, you are. And if you just stick to something very concrete like that and you have a system, if you're not reaching for that one ball to the center, your partner's so sure that ball is his that it just makes for a better system overall. Yes. Um, and it's interesting to hear that that applies to volleyball in the same exact way. Yeah, the same thing. It's like, oh, let's minimize this effort and, and confusion and maximize, look, ownership and then control of that scenario. It's like, dude, the outcome is significantly better when we just have that structure, right? And of yeah. course, there's the random audibles where, you know, maybe you can poach one and pick it off because the angle's a little bit different. But that's such a good thing for people to hear and understand is like, look, this, you need to establish your, uh, your structure and your team chemistry too. Because like you said, Ben's like, dude, I need you to be this for me so we can maximize our potential. I think that's yep. something that, I've done too with every partner. Some guys like I'm better at the right side. I'm like, sweet dude, I play both and I'm not scared. I'll go over to the left, you know, and I'll deal with the left side or this guy's like, dude, I'm really confident on the right. All right. I'll go over on the right. And I think being able to, to, to systemize that for your partner and be elevate together. That's, that's so huge. So it's cool that you guys train that way, like specifically, cause we do the same thing. It's so cool. <laughs> yep. And uh, definitely something where you don't want indecision and yeah. And if you, remove that entirely. I feel like that's part of the reason why Ben and I play so well together is we know whose balls, who's at all times. And when he plays with other partners, once in a while, you'll see it doesn't happen often because they're great players, 
but sometimes they take a ball that he wants. And I feel like I do a pretty good job of getting out of the way, which is uh, part of yeah. the system. And it's not, again, because I'm that much worse. It's because we have a system and we don't deviate from it. That's so rad. It's cool because, sorry, Thomas, I'm just, I'm feeling it right now. I played, the first time I played with like a really elite, like I played a few Olympians, like coming through the ranks and they would kind of be like, oh, here's the young kid with the energy and he's bringing all the fire and, and they would pick me up and right and bring me into the main draw. And I went through a couple, but then when I landed on this one named Jay Gibbs, he is like very, very similar to how you play Colin, where he's, he makes all his shots. He's super consistent. He's even keeled. He's not like super high or low. He brings fire, but he's not like going to be in your face all the time and what it did for me is it took me from being this guy that was just like all energy and if it was I was like a roller coaster I was unstoppable or I was in the trenches right it helped me like level out and it's cool because you can see like you and Ben are both kind of similar in that way but with the way that you your body language and your control is so like like calming and balanced that it makes it really fun to watch because I've personally seen and had a partner like that where it was like oh okay now that like calmness and trust level is so dialed that I get to actually experiment and be super creative because I know my guy's just going to do his job he's going to he's going to be there and then also game time like that I can't remember what match it was it was like I think it was set point in either one of the finals or maybe like a quarter semi in the last event for the PPA you hit an Ernie I think for a winner to win the set I can't remember, was it that or to save one? And I was like, there it is, dude. It's like, he's just the freaking, the steady, calm, the dude that just puts in the work and then creative highlight reel. It was really cool <laughs> to see, but I think that's something for listeners to, to really focus when they watch these matches to see how like structured and stable of a player you are. It's so fun. Like for me, that's like one of the coolest things to watch. Somebody who just like over time, just does their job and plays at such a high level that it's like almost they don't recognize it because you're not flashy. You're not like yelling and screaming and talking to the crowd at times. You're just like, you're there the whole time. It's so <laughs> oh, well, cool, dude. I love well, it. Thanks. I appreciate that. And I feel like I'm at my best when I could tell Ben, just let loose, go for your yeah. shots. I got you. If you miss, it's fine. I'm going to be a backboard over here. And I've told him that in certain matches where he's maybe a little passive. He's not bringing energy. I'm like, Go attack, go light them up. I got my side. Just yeah. feel free to do that because you need somebody who's a little bit more aggressive, more creative, and somebody who's just never going to miss. Yeah, just green light. That's what my guy told me. Green light, bro. And I'd go back and yeah. bomb serve when normally I'd be like nervous to keep it in. And then we'd go on some like six point run and I'd be like, green light, bro. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for being that like foundation for me to be able to be creative because I'm not worried. That's huge. Never apologize when you guys go on rants like that. <laughs> that was, Thomas is just chilling there for twenty minutes. That you guys just—I my mind was blown like five times over. I I don't. Okay, I've never played a, a professional sport. Well, I guess I have got you know I got my two pro wins. I like to bring up all the time in pickleball, but I'm not somebody who thinks that in depth or strategically about the way I play the game. So hearing you guys even just use words like design and system in terms of like the way you're, you're thinking about how you play the game, it just, it kind of like opens up a whole nother reality for Colin. 
what you said and what Ben said, the fact that pickleball is not designed to be played 50-50 or it's, it's not designed for each player to cover 50% of the court, that alone, I think many people need to hear. And I think if they were to sort of like adopt that philosophy would make a massive impact on their game right off the bat. Yes, absolutely. And like I mentioned, in my mind, I think eventually all the teams will be lefty righties, similar to in platform tennis, almost all the top teams are lefty righties because it's just a massive advantage on so many different levels. And actually I have a, an article coming out in Pickleball Magazine next month on why you should always stack the lefty. So given that I'm not lefty, um, I can't do some of the things that I wish I could. Uh, so like Ernie's are easier, um, shake and bakes, things like that. Um, so in that case, you could play it more so 50-50 because you can do the same thing in the mirror image on each side. Um, but if you're not lucky enough to have a lefty, like why would you play it 50-50 when the geometry of the court dictates that the ball will come to the outer half and the middle part of the court? So, so many rallies end up in cross-court dinking exchanges. So, based on the geometry of the court, unless the ball is high enough to really get it down to the cross-court, there's no way that they can attack the length to that outside half. So, you really need to shift, and especially when Ben's dinking his backhand cross-court, why would he hang out in his corner when he should be covering part of my side just simply based on the incoming angle of a would-be attack? Um, right. So something as simple as shifting properly plays into it. And if you have me as a lefty doing the same thing the other side, he should be more on his line. I should be covering part of his half um, just based on proper positioning. And definitely something that I feel like as the pickleball coaching manual becomes more mainstream, that'll be something that's just taught to everybody. And certainly something that I teach as a coach at clinics or to clients. I was like, no, no, you, you are responsible for more than your half, especially when the ball is here or here. And I think the more people recognize that, the better player they're going to be. Yeah. Agree. Cause that dude, the, the righty lefty thing is the same thing in beach, right? You got two guys that can either go on two off a pass or fake and set, but they always have, that strong side towards the middle and they're always facing the angle. It's the same in pickle, right? Like all those angles that I balls that I, I can get cause my arms are too long. And so I get in the way of guys forehands and I'm like, sorry, that's not mine, but I can get it. And so like I cut it off sooner than they can get to it. A lefty, that same thing, dude, it's like a superpower because in every scenario, it's the same thing as having Ben just waiting, licking his chops for that middle ball. That's a little bit too high. Right. But then it, it, it doesn't like balance out cause it's always, it's always an option with a lefty. So you're like, oh, crap, we got to really get good at playing the ball at the highest part of the net. <laughs> you got to try to work the backhand. And then you're just like, oh, trying to overplay, hitting balls in the net. You're getting screwed. You're like, that's a hard part to play against a righty lefty. It's such a power. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And we played a lefty righty in the semis of the last tournament. And I don't know if anyone noticed, but that Ben's corner got played a lot, like, Probably more than I can ever remember. And who was that? Part, who was that against? It was against Pesa Tioni and Daniel De La Rosa. Mm. Oh and yeah. Part of the yeah, reason yeah, they're able right. to do that is that there's a lefty in front of Ben, and lefties are annoying in pickleball because it changes the vulnerable spot. So normally the chicken wing is on right hip, right shoulder with right handers, and with the lefty it's left hip, left shoulder. So it kind of changes where you like to hit your combos to, and. Pesa did a really good job of countering Ben's attacks. I mean, he, of course, got him some of the time because he's a great attacker, but I felt like simply by him being lefty 
he slowed Ben down enough to where they had the freedom to dink to his corner probably more than they normally would be able to. Dude, I don't even you're you're speaking like basically another language right now. <laughs> I'm really, I bet like 25% of our listeners are like this is brilliant and then 75% are like I'm like I have so much to learn about this game. <laughs> There's a lot of games you're dropping your Yeah, the dude. Then the long play, right? You're like sometimes you're okay with playing something knowing that near the end to close out a match, you're going to expose the counter of what you've been setting up over time, right? Everything looks the same. Maybe we're dinking middle or we're, we're third shot. We're dropping middle on a righty lefty. And then in the end, we're just, let's just go pin. Let's just go pin side on either guy. Maybe there's a cross breeze. Let's really leverage that at the last two, two attempts. And that's usually when you close it out and guys are like, what just happened? Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Yep. A lot of times because I don't attack a lot, I'm usually saving my favorite combos yeah. until later in the match when I want to hit them. Now executing them at that time when I'm, sort of cold on them is not always the easiest thing, but if they don't know it's coming, then it really gives me a little bit of an advantage. So because I don't attack as much, I feel like people read my attacks less well um, because I've dinked the ball a hundred times cross court. And then when I finally do pull the trigger, it's like it came out of nowhere. And uh, that sort of happened towards the end of the fifth game, I felt like, and I got some more attackable balls granted, but um, definitely they work better if you don't see them all the time. Unless yeah. you're Ben and somehow he finds some angle that nobody else saw. Yeah, the manipulator. Yeah, he finds yeah. something nasty. You're like, oh, yeah. of course he found it. Yeah, awesome. of course <laughs> he did again. Or somehow he you counter perfectly and he's like, oh, yeah, I was ready for that one too. Yeah, yeah, I set that up. You're like, son of a... <laughs> yeah, I swear. I don't just say that because I'm Ben's brother, but he hits shots that nobody else even would see. Um, and... I still don't know how he does it all the time. And definitely he's very familiar with the left side of the court and he's seen the highest level for a long time, but still sometimes he hit shots. I'm like, how did you even attempt that? Let alone make it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you guys are in such a, a unique position in that. I mean, you guys are very much like architects of the game. I mean, you're at the forefront at the highest level. And just based on the way you're talking, I can tell you and Ben are constantly thinking about new ways to to innovate and create new strategies and push the limits. And Ben's hitting shots that people don't see. You're playing a, a side of a court in a way that nobody else is. And you're creating these new systems where you're, to use your own word, you're designing these new systems. And you're kind of like trailblazing where pickleball is is going right now, particularly from a a doubles perspective, men's doubles. I wonder if, you know, there's, there's any way to like, like, will everybody sort of just fall in line and start doing what you guys are doing? Or is there some other sort of like counter system that uh, somebody's going to come up with down the line? Or is, or is this, is this the way the, the sport is, the sport is moving? I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see just like how it all, all develops as, as new talent comes in and, and new, new perspectives come in. So. Yeah, and it could come down to something as simple as the equipment changes or the, the ball, the paddle, something. The kitchen line gets moved back. It could be something that none of us saw coming, um, or it could just be eventually some new great tall player comes in, and now you can't think because he's seven feet tall. Yeah, oh Casey, my gosh, you, that's, you my, hope. that's my hope. <laughs> I but, pray uh, every night I'm eating my vegetables. <laughs> oh, yeah, the seven-foot-four wingspan one of these days. 
one of these days it's all going to click and you're going to be like, Ben, <laughs> this kitchen area is no longer available. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Get I kind of, of wonder, I always wonder what Kevin Durant would be like on a pickleball court because there would be no kitchen anymore. I'm sure he could touch the net with his paddle. Get the hand yeah. flexibility? Of course. Well, just like, this is adorable. Well, is it seven feet? It's seven feet, right? Seven feet. Yeah, it's seven yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, doing yeah, a lot I of mean, yoga. I'm getting depends yeah, on how flexible uh, he is. Yeah, if he's, yeah if he's exactly. Flexible, I mean, you only have like six inches to begin with. I mean, with Casey, I mean, I've never hit with you, but I would imagine dinking to get the ball on the ground is quite difficult. Yeah, that's my that's my goal is to like get really really good at the controlled volley in the air dinking, so I don't have to like. That way, I can like pressure. Right? It's all about like, right. can I give you stress without really trying to speed up a ball where you're like "Ooh, he got that one and i'm not really doing anything but just just getting it in the air and then hopefully they feel like they need to overplay a little bit and then they'll end up in the net or too high and then i can kind of play the game that's my goal now is just get there but it's crazy like you guys winning so many in a row i had the same thing on on the avp we went four in a row four in a row five in a row like three years in a row and it was just like everyone's focus is on you and how to beat your system and so you're constantly, I'm guessing this is why Ben and, and Colin do this, Thomas. And in my mind, it's, hey, we got to kind of stay ahead of the curve here because guys are going to start seeing patterns. And so we've got to have the ability to show that same pattern, but have a few like A, B options out of that pattern versus what's been working for so long because guys are going to get used to it. Right now, it's like when you play someone over and over again, you get more confident and you start to get calmer and you start to see and recognize those patterns sooner. So for sure, that's what we had to do was like, all right, we got to get ahead of this curve. Let's experiment maybe how we serve against teams or in this scenario, let's attempt to push this here or use this angle there or this different speed so that guys never get too comfortable, right? We just, and then at the end of the day, it's just, you got to be a winner, right? I mean, like you guys are developing this, but at the same time, you guys know that in these high pressure situations, you're probably the most comfortable in those. And that's how I always felt. I'm like, ah, we're fine. You know, we're down three points. They have game point. I'm fine. I believe, you know, and so we always came back and won those. But I think that's the, that's what I'm guessing is that you guys are just developing just to stay ahead of the curve because that's the natural trajectory. You guys are going to watch more film. They're going to get guys that are statting stuff. They're going to be prepping. And like we would have practice where we have like, all right, you're Colin and you're Ben. I need you to do these things in this scenario over and over and over until I get so comfortable that now I can counter and, and start to fight back. So it's like, that's just the, it's cool to see that progression and to fight, fight it off. Yeah, for sure. And you definitely see that coming to where people are trying to problem solve, whether it's switching partners or implementing yeah. new strategies. And AJ and Riley in the last tournament did a great job of kind of changing the pattern that we've used against Matt and Riley. Um, and it's also interesting that Matt and Riley tried to change up the pattern by switching sides. So um, in yeah. the first tournament, they started with Riley on the left and Matt on the right. And the next tournament, they had Matt play the left pretty much the whole time. And they were problem solving to try to figure out how they could make that work. Uh, and then we played them again in Austin. They played straight up. So it's not like from lack of trying that they're they're not beating us. And certainly they can get hot and and hit some great shots and from both sides of the court, but they're trying to figure out what that pattern could be to beat our yeah. system. So it's a war of systems in a way, because at the highest level, everyone can do a lot with the ball. Um, but yeah. whoever has the higher percentage game plan is usually the one who wins. So I thought uh, playing someone, a team like AJ and Riley that we don't normally play that are two great players. They did a good job of 
of trying to hit some shots to make us uncomfortable. Uh, but like you men- mentioned, Casey, what really won us that match is the confidence to execute under pressure since we're always in the gold medal matches. Yeah. Even though we were down 8-3 in the fifth, um, I, I turned to Ben and I said, we're good. We, we can execute right now. <laughs> And we found a game plan and a target that turned out to be good for us. Um, and it's harder to slam the door than, than people think. And if you're used to slamming the door, it definitely makes it a lot easier. Yeah. 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 You can feel that. You're just like, I would do the same thing. and be like, dude, I believe like we're fine. You know, and I even, yeah. that's, that's something that a lot of people, you don't see that because those are the little whisperings and timeouts or, you know, after a, a ball is dead and you're shagging and it's like, dude, we're fine. Let's green light this now. Go, Ben, you're yeah. okay. Unleash the, the chains, bro. I'm here for you. Now you just go attack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Even if you're not playing your best too, because I don't think anyone would have yeah. said that Ben played his best game in that final and, but he found the shots when he needed them, when it was important. So even if you're playing badly, I feel like when you're used to winning, you expect to, to play your best when you really need it. Yeah. Yeah. You, okay. You, you mentioned, I, were you just throwing this, throwing this out? Like, sort of like as a random example, you mentioned like the kitchen line being moved back. Has anybody suggested that seriously? Just no, as a quick aside. No, okay. no, no, I was just throwing that out there. There's no movement in the, in the PPA yeah. inner circles right. that we must move the kitchen line back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just throwing that out there as like right. a, just a random thing that maybe no one would even consider right now. Right, 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 right. Okay. Fake just news, to make yeah. sure. They're raising yeah, the yeah. net six inches. They've done that to volleyball. <laughs> We're going to put it at nine feet. We're like, what? Like all the time. <laughs> yeah, Ben and I like it exactly where it is right now. So we're going to yeah, be proponents right. of keeping it that way. Yeah. All right. You were talking about, um, you were talking about like equipment and how that might be able to change the game. I mean, you know, you and I were talking at dreamland the other day, just kind of about paddles and, uh, you know, which brands are pushing the limits, which might be illegal. So do you think that there are, like, do you, do you think, or maybe I could phrase it like this. Are there any equipment changes or innovations that you think would be within the limits that could actually change the game quite a bit or or make a big impact or there are examples of that that you've already seen yes so some of the paddles now and in the past year or two have gotten quite a bit rougher the paddle technology across the board has gotten better and certain companies have been ahead of the curve and certain ones not to single anyone out have gone on probation for making paddles that are over the limit um, including my sponsor, Electrum, before I was with them. Um, they had a bad batch of paddles that were testing well, over the you, limit. You came in and you straightened them out. So good. For yeah, that. yeah, you know, I had, to, I had to lay down the law. Yeah, um, right. But certainly, in my mind, no foul play there. It was a bad batch and they adjusted it. Um, but there are paddle companies. My point is, there are paddle companies that are pushing the limits as far as the friction goes. And that makes a big, big difference because you can start to do things with the ball and create angles that you're not used to seeing. And it's not just that you can snap your fingers and start to adjust. So if balls are falling in that you're used to going out, you just, you can't adjust on the fly that well. And now you have to start to cover things that you're not comfortable with and it throws off your whole game. People might say, well, it can't help that much, but it does help that much more on the mental side because you start to second guess, is that ball going to go in? Is it going to go out? Am I positioned properly? And in my mind, there is a perfect amount of friction to have as far as like the limit goes and if you put too much friction on a paddle people are going to get too good at attacking and the points are going to be too short the dinking is going to be 
more obsolete, not that it'll disappear entirely, but you'll see a lot less of that and a lot more flips and combinations. And some people might say, oh, well, that might be good for the hands battles and the entertainment of the sport. But to me, I think the points are going to be too short. Uh, and there could be adaptions to that to where I'm wrong on that. But I feel like we're right at that threshold where the points are already pretty good because you want some dink rallies and people complain that sometimes they're too long. But to me, it kind of builds the tension, especially at certain parts of the match that are already mm-hmm. tense. And you really start to see is this, is this touch there under pressure and some people it's good. Some people it's not. And then other people, they get twitchy, they speed it up and that makes for cool exchanges. So to me, I feel like we're right at, or maybe dial it back very slightly, maybe 5%, 10% to where you still have that element of slow play. Uh, and then you also saw yeah. some evolution in the past couple of years on the serve with the spin serve. And I was a proponent of taking that out because pickleball is kind of unique that you can't win the point so quickly. Um, and you see more of the longer drawn out rallies. Um, so that's a, those are a few things that I feel like um, would be, be good to take hold of right now so that it doesn't go in the wrong direction. Because if it starts to look more like table tennis where people could just roll anything mm-hmm. with crazy spin, I don't think long term that's good for the rallies of the game. We did that beach volleyball. We had we used to play on the indoor size court, which was massive. It's three feet bigger, so they took a foot and a half off the back and each sideline in beach because they wanted to create more rallies. Because guys were too offensively powerful and the courts too big. Like you couldn't you couldn't stop me. It's like putting putting us on you know a a twenty four inch net. You're like, dude, I can drive and hammer everything. I don't have to dink. Why would I dink? And so they're like, all right, let's make the court smaller to create more rallies. Because long term, it was better for TV time. It was better for the spectators. They want that anticipation and they want the buildup of a point, but also have the power and the execution still there. So that's it's crazy because when I play with a paddle that has more grip, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like I'm a whole different player. Like guys are hitting drops and I'm like attacking a third shot drop that is like really low and, and yeah. it has top and it's, it's catching. And I'm like grabbing it and just like, flicking it to the, off to the sideline on like the 10 foot line. And I'm like, dude, this is such a difference between a paddle that's, you know, super slick. And then one with, that has the grip and the texture. It's crazy. So I think, yeah, that's a, that's an evolution that, that I'm glad you guys changed the serve. That whole thing was gnarly. It was like, everyone was throwing <laughs> like Texas tornadoes at me. I'm like, dude, this isn't even like fun anymore. <laughs> oh yeah. Because when you add an element of randomness like that, because eventually you're going to be able to hide the serve better than they can read it. And at some point you're just yeah. guessing. And to me, that's not a good thing because it's not about skill. You can hit a really good top spin serve and they can see it coming, but that requires skill versus yeah. yes, you can practice in your basement how to spin the ball. And that's why they took it out in table tennis where it's like it's impossible to read what the spin is and now you have to show the ball in table tennis you have yeah, to toss it, have it up a certain amount yeah and i think that's where pickleball should be personally and some people disagree but um that's where the ppa has taken the pros and i think the rallies are better for it uh, but also like you just mentioned and like i spoke about briefly there's a certain thing when you add that friction where the players coming in are so shocked that you can attack that ball they can't adjust their mindset it's it's totally different it right. throws off everything because they're like no nah, no nah, that's that, that shouldn't be possible like he's he's attacking a ball that is unattackable quote unquote and whether that's a good or bad thing is a different conversation but it it can't be argued that it changes the game not just in a physical way but also in a mental way right 
agree. Yeah, it's 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 stressful. Like feet, kitchen line, that I was like fault. I'm like, bro, I always I'm four inches from the line still, <laughs> just because I know you always look at my feet. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I have like this whole document of stuff we were going to talk about, but then you just blew our minds for like 55 minutes straight. Uh, so I don't even know what to end with, but I did want to ask you, and this might seem kind of boring to some people, but I think it's interesting. We've talked a lot about like your game, why it's so unique and what you're seeing that others aren't. But one thing I've noticed about your game is that on your returns, Again, people are going to think might think this is boring. The nerds are going to like this one. Like, what are you what are you thinking about on your returns? Because I feel like similar to a, like a free throw, like a repetitive free throw routine that you see in the in the NBA, you hit the same return every single time. There's nothing fancy about it, and then you get in there, and then it's like it's almost like just this um, involuntary action for you. What are you thinking about on returns, and what can people kind of like learn from the the way you approach them? So return of serve specifically? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I would say part of that is just tennis habits die hard. And in tennis, you have to be able to replicate the same motion over and over and over. And having played so many years of tennis, it's probably easier for me to replicate the same thing over and over. Uh, but it's actually something I've been working on recently on the pickleball court where I'm trying to get my returns a little bit consistently deeper. Also going to a little bit of a flatter return, maybe even topspin return. Um, because if you give the opponents a lot of slice backspin, um, they're going to have more topspin on their next shot. So taking that away by hitting a flatter return and not necessarily a harder return because that robs you of time to get in, um, but at least hitting it flatter to where you don't have so much topspin coming at you on the next shot is something I've experimented with recently. Uh, and then as far as direction goes, being really disciplined with the game plan on who we return to. So um, there's a cool facebook page i'm sure you've seen with the pickleball stats uh jim ramsey's running that and yeah. i've actually been in contact with him a little bit and he posted the amount of returns that we hit to riley versus matt in the Austin awesome yeah. final and he's like why was it so lopsided was it because they wanted riley to take all the turns or did you guys decide before the match to hit riley all the returns and i said well that's an easy answer we hit riley every single return except we we hit one to Matt like once in a while just to see if because he was iced he hasn't hit one in forever yeah if he would miss one but the only reason we deviated even once was for that reason and we just agreed ahead of time we are hitting every single return to Riley for xyz and as long as you have that as part of the game plan it's relatively easy to execute it's not like anyone's going to be bombing serves to the point where you can't at least put it on the half uh, of the player you want to return to and if you decide that's a better option in that particular instance, um, you'd really need to stick to that. So I feel like I'm pretty disciplined with what our game plan is. And if that means returning down the line because you're on the stack um, where you have to deviate from that, um, then you need to. But there's always a game plan that we have, and it's not just done randomly. We don't just hit left or right just because. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude, I love that because that consistent return over time, too. Even if you were to throw, we do the same thing. It's like we're serving, we're going to serve this guy the whole time. And then we're going to just, we're going to throw one. We like to call them wrinkles. I'm going to just throw in a wrinkle here. I'm going to throw one yeah. short to the left side or see how he reacts because he's been cold. He's in a rhythm setting. He's not been passing or attacking. Now he's going to overthink it because it's like, oh, it's my one chance. I haven't hit one of these for a while. Right. So it's like this yeah. new feeling. Um, and even throwing 
different speeds at the guy that we're serving over time. If you're returning to Riley and it's like that same flat one over and over, and then you give him one that's like a knuckleball, it's like even yeah. though he's good enough to handle everything, it's just enough to maybe disrupt time just enough to get a ball that's an inch higher and then Ben puts it away. You know what I mean? Like oh, throwing yeah. in those little wrinkles, like that's the my I love that stuff because it's as a team and having that system, like, hey, we're going here every you know, we're gonna go five to one, Riley, and then we're gonna go over to Matt. You know what I mean? Just because that pattern is although they might not know it or they do, it's still real and that wrinkle just throws people off, even at the highest level. That's the fun part, dude. I love that. Oh You're yeah. Like, ah, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And to Matt's credit in that match, he I think he made every single one of the ones that we he hit. Handled him, it. So he was still he yeah. was still ready, but we definitely purposefully threw a couple randomly to him just to check to see if he was ready <laughs> yeah and i feel like our background me and ben's background in pitching from baseball comes into play where you don't always want to throw him the hard stuff i mean in a 2-0 count they're expecting a fastball if you throw him a change up they're probably gonna be out in front so yeah um, same idea on speed differential and, and pickleball or where you return to yeah yeah i'm always like if i'm not the guy getting served i'm just like constantly in that mindset like i dare you to serve me just so i was like angrily ready so if they serve me like <laughs> i'm gonna make you pay because you know it's gonna come some guy's just gonna leave yeah. the face and just chop and be like off balance because i'm not expecting it so i'm like i'm always like i dare you to serve me let's go right now yeah <laughs> gotta stay crisp i love those little nuances throughout the game of like the wrinkles and the the different systems that you use that's it's so it's like the same thing i just wish i was better at it <laughs> Oh, it's just interesting for me to hear how many parallels there are. So I'm sure that uh, when we finally meet in person, we're going to just have endless things to talk about. Oh, yeah, dude. It's so fun. I know. I'm like, why do you do that? Oh, I know why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. I think if I were a listener, I'd be like, this is one of the best episodes, especially if, <laughs> if you like playing and like thinking strategically about the game. Um, this was this was great, Colin. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, we got to jump. We're we're over. This is a good episode. Oh yeah, yeah. He's been holding his phone. I'm feeling bad. I'm like, Colin's holding it. We got to give him a tripod with a little phone holder. Like, oh, oh yeah, my not, arm is not tired. That tech savvy. I've been switching hands the whole time. I'm glad you uh, Throw the brought leg that to up. attention. Leg up, <laughs> put, out. put the arm on the knee. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, this was sweet. Thanks, guys. So fun. See you guys. See ya.